The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. The Flailing Tender Hockey Podcast. An old goalie's views on the week that was in the world of hockey. From junior right up to the NHL and everything in between. There may have been a few too many frozen pucks to the head, but that won't stop this old tender from giving his two cents worth on all things hockey. The Flailing Tender Hockey Podcast, part of the 1420 Group of Shows and the uh, the Belly Up uh, Media Network, brought to you by SeatGeek and SeatGeek.com. Use promo code 1420POD at SeatGeek.com today and save yourself 20 bucks on your uh, your ticket purchases for shows and concerts and sporting events. Anyways, today we're happy to have the Flailing Tender Podcast, uh, all hockey show, Western Hockey League talk today. Got Nathan Ryder from the Prince Albert Daily Herald and James Tubb from the Medicine Hat News. Both are sports reporters for their uh, local newspapers. Both cover the Western Hockey League at length. How are you doing today, boys? And happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Brent. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us on both again after the start of the season in uh, September. There. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Thanks, James. Like, James, me and you were both wrong. We were one hundred percent sure that. Uh, Team Canada star, Regina Pat superstar, Connor Bedard was going to get traded by the deadline. And when it all came around, he was going to be wearing a different jersey. And you namely said a Kamloops Blazers jersey uh, back in the day because they are hosting the Memorial Cup uh, in May. We were 100% sure it was going to happen. Nathan, you uh, you and your inside sources uh, said not a chance that's going to happen. Then I, I had uh, Dustin Forbes on about a week and a half after you guys. And he said there's no way it's going to happen. And he said that for the simple reason that the... Uh, the haul that it was going to take to get uh, Bedard out of uh, Reg- out of Regina was going to be far too much. Uh, turns out the uh, the two Lethbridge boys were right, and James and I were completely wrong on that deal. Nathan, I want to get your thoughts on that tra- on uh, the deal that never happened. I want to get your thoughts on because uh, you, you see those guys a lot more than, than James and I do. The Regina Pats, that is. Uh, what what are your thoughts about the uh, the trade that never happened? And was there ever something kind of on the table? Um, I don't have any, I'm just going to clarify this by saying I don't have any inside sources with the Pats organization. We've you can lie. Play, we, we've <laughs> seen them, I've seen them twice so far this season at the Art Hauser Center and they've been Connor Bedard list twice because he was away with the Team Canada at Oof. the World Juniors. And I, I've got to say like they're, without his presence in the lineup, I think they're an average playoff team in the Western Hockey League. I still think they have the talent the pieces there to make the postseason. I just don't think they'll have they'll be a six, seven, eight seed and be a one and done against either Winnipeg, Wet Red Deer, or Saskatoon. I don't think they'll they'll get past one of those three teams if matched up in the first round. But uh, they they have some solid some solid pieces there. But I think Bedard's the team the piece that could potentially give one of those three teams a run for their money in a playoff matchup. Come ahead. James, you were like you were a hundred percent sure that that deal was going to happen. Like we were, like, and I was with you on that. I, I didn't see any reason why, because uh, Regina doesn't have the horse, like you just said, Nathan, to really do any damage. And the the why and the what, there didn't make any sense to keep him around. And, and you can improve your franchise, as we saw the deals that were done uh, during the trade deadline. You can get a lot of draft picks. Uh, was there any? Thoughts uh, as the, the trade deadline approached and as the, the World Junior Championship was happening, James, in your head, did you think at any point that this trade might happen still? You know, the way it was talked about, Brent, and it just, like, it was kind of almost after we recorded the podcast. It wasn't great timing where it was very, <laughs> it was made very clear that 
Connor doesn't want out. And that was where I was laying that he's going to get traded is because I thought maybe he would want out and he would want to go to a team that would have that long playoff run, like Cam Loops, who's guaranteed a Mem, Mem Cup spot. And it sounds like he didn't want that. So, and that kind of nixed it. Obviously, he's got that no trade uh, deal that sent Twitter on fire learning about that. And it was something for me to learn who and who doesn't get trade, uh, no trade clauses in the dub. But um, yeah, it was in the Zellweger deal. I mean, we're going to get to it, obviously. Um, that kind of priced it out immediately, even the Nolan Allen trade. Like, just, it was like, that's what Nolan Allen got. And no disrespect to Nolan Allen. He's not Connor Bedard. So it was just very quickly, it got put to rest. And maybe it was never a week, the idea of trading Connor Bedard. And you know what? I'm okay to be wrong because the Pats come here to Medicine Hat twice and uh, they're going to bring Connor Bedard with them. Well, it's funny is like our, our, I put our, our little clip up there on YouTube and it got a lot of hits and a lot of people were commenting about how dumb me and you were and everything else that it was never going to happen. So it was, it was quite funny the way that it all worked out. Let's get into Nolan Allen, Nathan. Uh, he got traded back in November. Uh, Raiders captain the whole bit. He got a, a heck of a, a deal. Got uh, like a lot of players got traded. Draft picks got traded the whole bit. Um, what were the thoughts prior to Allen getting traded? And was it a surprise that that trade happened so early? Um, I, the thing is, what I hear with the radio organization is that I don't really press for anything. I just kind of get told as things get made public kind of thing. I know a trade is being announced like an hour before the trade. And I got a text from Kyle Koswin, who's the communications manager with the Prince Albert Raiders. He got it. He sent me a text that morning at 10 30 AM saying we are announcing a, a trade at noon. He sent me the exact same text earlier in the season when they sent a conditional eighth round pick to the medicine hat tigers for James Van. So I was not thinking much of it at the time. He just said, we have a, we, we are announcing a trade. So I thought, okay, whatever. And then I saw the, the, the post and I'm like, Ooh, that's a big one. So I had to, had to kind of reach out to Kyle and get things set up with Curtis and Curtis and Nolan. And he was, he was great getting me in contact with both of those both of those guys. When it, when a guy of that stature and he gets traded, uh, a blockbuster trade and the amount of uh, the amount of picks that went went the other way. When a guy like of that stature goes, uh, do you think they have to agree with it first prior to something going on there? Because uh, or, or are they just a uh, you don't want to say a piece of meat, but is like when that trade happens for a guy who is an NHL guy, the whole bit he was kind of expected to stick around his pro team. Is there something that happens where they go, okay, we can move you to a team that's going to be contender? Do you want to go? If you don't want to go, the deal's off the table. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything in place for that. Like uh, in the WHL, for a 19 year old player like Nolan, compared to. Uh, can compare to like a 17, 17 year old player in the Western Hockey League that's still completing their high school education. I know it was a very tough decision for Curtis Hunt to make to make that trade, just because Nolan is a Davidson Saskatchewan product. He's a Saskatchewan, he's a Saskatchewan kid, and it was it was not an easy decision for Curtis to make. But ultimately, I think being a general manager in the Western Hockey League, you have to make some decisions like that where. You have to trade a guy you wouldn't normally necessarily like to trade because from my interactions with Nolan Allen, he's just been an absolute class act to deal with in my interviews I have done with him after the trade. And I did a story about him coming back to the Art Hauser Center. I reached out, I phoned him and he was again, great, great to talk to. So it's really tough to part with those guys, but 
just the direction of the franchise. It was a, a deal that had, had to be done, and Nolan will get a great opportunity to play with not just one future Chicago Blackhawks teammate, but two future Chicago Blackhawks teammates in Seattle. So I feel like it was a good landing spot for Nolan. James, when you saw that trade went down, did you think, holy cow, if anything's going to happen, and the, the amount of players that went one way, did like what went through your head, and then what went through, what was the uh, the talk around co-op place with the other guys around the, the media there, that like, oh my, like look at this deal that they made, and they're, they're going to be set, because PA is going to be set up pretty good for, for a few years to come now. Oh yeah, like, well, like, I think it gets forgotten a lot when people look just look at the standings, and they're like, well, there's Edmonton out at the bottom, they're going to get that first overall pick. And that's PA. Like PA has it from the, the King Gooley trade. Like Prince Albert is, they got a future ahead of them in the next three to five years. That's their window. And uh, yeah, that Nolan Allen trade. Looking at that, it was just kind of like talking around a call place. It was like, oh, that's the Connor Bedard. Like if that's what Nolan Allen got, and again we talked about it, no disrespect, but yeah. um, there was no Bedard trade. Yeah, it was. It was like okay, so this is setting off the market, and it set it off high. And that was a discussion around trade deadline with um, Willie Desjardins, which is that uh, prices were high and for what they were maybe going to get or anything like that, it just it didn't work out at this time of year just to spend that much uh, on this team at this time. If you, you look at the, the first rounders that I'm going uh, back on the 10th and even on in the 8th of January, just last week, the first rounders that went, and you wonder if they're going to change that rule in the Western League as it is in the Ontario League where they can't t- trade first rounders. You wonder with these, uh, like they're, they're trading kids that are in grade six right now. If you, if you put, if you put it in perspective, you know, so they're, they're trading kids who are in grade six and grade seven right now that, uh, just to maybe win, uh, like winning champions, like having prospects is cool, but winning championships is cooler. And I get why teams do it, but to mortgage your your future, Nathan, like that, uh, like like the Seattle has done, um, Edmonton Edmonton did it. They paid the piper. They're in last place, but they they won it all last year. To mortgage the future like that, Nathan, what's your thoughts on that? Like, is it? Because it's tough to win no matter what. And there's no guarantee that an 18-year-old kid or 19-year-old kid is going to have uh, the strength between the years come playoff time to, to get it done. I think for some teams, it's the right decision. I don't feel like that will ever happen with the Prince Albert Raiders just because simply there was a comment made by Curtis Hunt back at the team's AGM earlier in the season. He said the way he wants his hockey club to be built is a consistent number four seed, which means some years, some years you might be the one seed, but some years you're making the playoffs as a six, seven or eight seed, but you always want to be in that conversation, in that conversation. And with Prince Albert being the, the one of the smaller markets in the league, I don't think it would be a good move for the Raiders to mortgage the future, the future like that. And then have to go through a, uh, you're taking the lumps like the Edmonton Oil Kings have done this season. I just don't think that'll be wise for the Raiders. Well, that's a good thing. Like what you, you talk about there, and James, I want you to chime in on this. Is the like the Raiders? They won one a, a couple years back, and that is huge. Like that's they'll be part of Raiders lore forever. They'll be part of of history forever in in Prince Albert, and they have that championship. It was in 2019, I believe it was, and so they 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 can. They can lean on that for a few years and go, okay, well, we won. We had some good teams. But to d- drop into last place is another thing. Whereas Edmonton, if, if they don't if they don't spin spin a wheel and, and if they don't get anybody to go to the games, it doesn't matter their ownership group, 
right? Whereas if whereas Prince Albert needs people to, to go to the games, and you've seen it, James, in Medicine Hat, where the crowds have not been that good. So when you fall off the uh, when you fall off the the, the bandwagon, you fall off the, the radar. It's tough to get people back in the building. Yeah, and like uh, we've seen it now with the Tigers, it's it's coming up now. Um, like the one of the last home games is over three thousand or something like that. So it's getting better, but it is like when you go lean for that year and you're not a team that's maybe going to be competitive, you're going to feel it right away. And, uh, yeah, it's not sustainable. I don't know how many teams could sustain it. I know Prince George, I forget which reporter it was, wrote a story at the beginning of the year, like, uh, that, hey, we need fans in the building or else this isn't going to work. And I think they've gotten better. They're obviously in a playoff spot right now. The the West is, like, it's been set since, like, November. It's kind of crazy, um, the standings over there. But, um, yeah, for Prince Albert, like, for the next couple of years, you guys don't even need to worry about like sell. They don't need to worry about selling. It looks like they're going to get like Keaton Verhoff. He's supposed to be the first overall pick. It's probably who they're going to get uh, coming up here in May. It's a uh, great thing for the Raiders, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see their window. Looks like it's going to match up with the Tigers. Looks like it's going to match up with uh, the Calgary Hitmen. It's going to be quite a run in the next three years. Yeah, it's, it's odd how the Western Hockey League works. Like, you, like you look at a team here in Lethbridge; they had they've had some success, not a lot. One one championship, and I can't remember nineteen ninety seven. I think it was. Uh, and that's a long, long time ago. But if you, if you stay consistent, people will keep going because nobody ever goes to a game hoping or thinking that their team's going to lose. And if, if that's the case, you're just not going to go. And the, and the Western Hockey League gets a lot of their their revenue, well, all their revenue from from gate. Uh, it's not an internet thing; it's from, from gate revenues. And when teams don't don't put uh, butts in the seat. It's tough to go. Uh, actually, I want before we get into the trade deadline, what happened there? Um, I didn't know until about two months ago that Winnipeg, and I'm going to swear a little bit here, that Winnipeg played in such a little shithole of a rink. Like, what is the thought process there, Nathan? Like, why why did it happen? I know they left Cranbrook. They weren't getting fans in Cranbrook, but where they are in. Uh, Oh, I don't even know the, the Wade Fleming arena that seats 1,600 total. Uh, so they're not even getting 1,600 in there. They're, they're playing in a, a bantam hockey rink. What, what's the thought process there, Nathan, with, with Winnipeg, and why would they decide to go there? Um, I'm not too familiar with the whole I – know, I know, obviously, they play on the University of Manitoba campus there because they don't have an ice logo at center ice. It's a – Manitoba Bison at Center Ice. If you ever watch their games on CHL, all the Phoenix Coyotes playing at Arizona State, but whatever. <laughs> and, insane. Yeah, and I'm I. From what I've heard is that um, what's what was it called before the the arena that the Winnipeg Jets play in? I believe it's called the Canada Life Center now. Something like it, that, yeah. So, some something like that. I I've, I've heard from people that I think there's a little bit of uh, tension between the ice ownership group and the ownership group of the Winnipeg Jets that have the rights to that building. So that's why that the ice don't play at that arena because there's already there's already the Winnipeg Ice there and there's already already the Manitoba Moose of the American Hockey League that play there, given they could probably make it work, but I just think that there's I think there's just a little bit of tension between the two owner, the two ownership groups. So James, when they left Cranbrook, and I don't know if you you probably weren't around the uh, the Western Hockey League back then because it's been they've been there for a few years. But what do you know about that deal and, and that they're playing in a rink that's just not a Western Hockey League rink? And there's got to be because Medicine Hat was actually told not that many years ago when Co-op Place first opened in seventeen or whatever year it was that they they had to leave 
the arena in Medicine Hat because it was just no more. We're not doing this anymore. It's a substandard arena. They couldn't do anything with that building. There was no more revenue that could be had. Why would the Western League okay this deal to Winnipeg in, in that same breath? It doesn't make sense to me. As far as I understand, Brent, and the Arizona example is the prime example, that's what I've been told is that it was a, all right, you can play here, and you're going to, until the, until you build an arena. And it was always sounded like there was going to be an arena being built for the ice. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. And, um, I mean, there was the report that WHL and the Winnipeg Ice had to put out together earlier, I think it was in late December or early January, where Winnipeg, um, I forget what reporter, a publication like put out a story that uh, the WHL had fined the Winnipeg Dykes and the WHL and Winnipeg were like, this never happens. So there's tensions about a new arena from everything I've heard. And like, it is very much that uh, you're playing in a non league. Like, it just, it's kind of an embarrassing arena. It's embarrassing guess, for a team that's, yeah. a, that's a wagon right now. That's an embarrassment. Well, and it's great that they're a wagon now. They're not going to be next year. So what's going to happen? It's a 1,600-person arena, and now you're going to go try to build a new arena for a franchise that maybe is going to have a couple lean years. Who's going to want to pay millions and millions of dollars for to build an arena for a 12-win team? I know arenas take a long time to build, but, like, it's just things – it's a little – you know what? Let them focus on this season, and maybe that's what their focus is, is that we'll win this year and everything else will be next year. Let's get to this season and this trade deadline that just happened on January the 10th when they, they called it good. And that the 10th's been the day for as long as I can remember. Even when I played junior hockey a million years ago, January 10th was uh, doomsday. Uh, what was the, the feeling like around you, the two, the two teams that you guys follow? We'll start there first. Was there, um, there's going to be some trades happen. There was an odd trade that I thought with the Raiders. We'll start with you, Nathan, actually. There was an odd trade that, uh, that I didn't, that didn't make any sense. Uh, Ozzy Wiseblack got traded. His rights got traded. He's playing with the, the, uh, San Bernardino Barracudas or whatever it is in the American League. Uh, he hasn't played a game in the Western League. I don't know if there's any thoughts he's coming back, but his his rights got traded. I thought that was a, that was an odd deal that that the uh, the Raiders. I mean, no, no no harm to them, but that was an odd deal that it got made. And what was the the the, uh, the feeling around the rest of the Raiders players? Were were there some guys thinking they're they're going to get moved? Was there other deals that that you thought might have happened? Uh, was what was the feeling around the Raiders? I kind of that Aussie Wiseblatt deal did, did uh, take me by surprise because the, the the vibe I was sort of trying to get is that that Curtis had already done a majority of his uh, of his uh, trading for the season and sure there might have been one or two moves made on de- deadline day like Landon Cal the rights to Landon Calper being traded to Kelowna for a fifth like that kind of move I think this move was made because a the Portland Winterhawks were in Prince Albert on the day of the trade deadline. So Mike Johnston and general manager and head coach of Portland and Curtis Hunt could sit down face to face and talk this kind of thing out, which I think can, can help because, and they're all conditional picks. So if, so, so if, nothing, comes, if Wiseblood doesn't come back, the trade, the pick just goes away and whatever kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then Portland will keep those draft selections. And from what it sounds like, it doesn't sound like Ozzy's going to come back, but from the reason that trade was, um, was made is that Prince Albert didn't feel like it was going to be a no from San, the San Jose organization is that they felt like there was still a possibility. And that's why Johnston was comfortable making, that trade and the fact that I believe Portland only has two 20 year olds on their roster at this point in time. So if Ozzy came back, they wouldn't have to get 
to get rid of anybody for that too. And Portland's right in the race. I think they're twenty-eight, eight and two. I got written down here. They're right there with uh, with Kamloops and uh, and Seattle. Like they're they're there. They're in the race. So getting a, a, a high scoring forward like like Wadsblot wouldn't have hurt that team. Uh, was there any deals that was there? How was the, the thoughts around the players when? Because I remember when it went like this a long time ago. But you, you talked to old Western League guys. They were hoping deals would get made. They're, they were hoping that something would happen, or maybe uh, a higher end player, eighteen or nineteen year old player. Were, were there guys, uh, J- James, with the Tigers that were thinking, "I wouldn't mind getting moved." Was there any thoughts like with the, the stuff with that? I know they have a younger team in the hat. They got eight rookies the whole bit, so not a lot of a big chance those guys are going, going to get moved. But sometimes guys go when they're eighteen, nineteen. Maybe it's time to move on to go to contender. Because by all points, the the Tigers. Probably going to miss the playoffs again this year. I don't know, but missing the playoffs, but we'll get to that. Um, I just want to before we get into it, there was a resolution to that uh, Ozzy Weisbot trade because he dressed last night for um, the San Jose Barracuda. The deal's mute because yep. once you play a game in the AHL, you can't come down to the dub. So, like that trade, like he oh, okay, back. yeah, I, that just it was last night. Um, he played, but uh, yeah, for the Tigers, um, like I said earlier, it was just kind of this year. There was maybe some deals that were in the works. I know of a couple. I'm not going to name. Oh, no, I wouldn't expect you to. Yeah, we're not going to talk about players' names and the deadline because it's not fair. Um, But it just wasn't their time. And, like, with the prices where they were and everything like that, it just – this isn't their competitive window, and they can make the playoffs this year and compete. But um, their window is the next couple years behind Gavin McKenna, and I think they just kind of saved up for that. And, uh, yeah, that's just kind of how it worked out. And – I think there was maybe a little bit of, tiny little bit of disappointment nothing happened. But um, I know the Tigers are happy with the team they have. They were happy going in the deadline, and they're happy coming out of the deadline with the same team. Nathan, the uh, the big deals that happened around the Western League that like we, we talked about already on today's show, the uh, the draft picks that went, the the Western Hot, like the uh, the World Championship guys that that got traded away, like you, you had an idea that some guys were going to get moved from their teams. Um, what was the most surprising? Not not the like, great players getting moved to uh, teams that have a chance at winning or a hosting Memorial Cup, but what was the biggest surprise? Was it the 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 size of the deals that happened? Was it the uh, what it took to get certain guys? Or what was your biggest surprise for the uh, for uh, for you for the Western Hockey League trade deadline? I think the biggest surprise to me was when I saw that total price tag from the Zellweger Hofer trade between um, the Blazers and Everett Silvertips. Like Owen Zellweger is an incredible defenseman. I believe he was the WHL defenseman of the year a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, like Ryan Hofer, he's twenty year old twenty year old forward. But he's a very always around the puck, and he was when Everett was here in Prince Albert at the start of November. I thought he was one of the more impressive players in that Everett lineup. Like, sure, it's a, he's he's a twenty year old, and he's going to be finished with uh, junior hockey after this season. But he's like a six three, six four, two hundred plus pound centerman. You don't find many of those guys around anymore. No. Yeah, you 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 don't, and like. The thing, the thing about his size is that he he's good for his size. It's not like he's a big slow guy just trying to be Matt Henry of the Brandon Wheat Kings, getting a hundred plus penalty minutes on the season. But uh, like he's a good he's a good player, and it's two two good players for a, a Blazers team that has ambitions at the Memorial Cup. So. That yeah, I, geez, like that, that's got to be a bit of a kick in the pills for the rest of the team when like uh, Everett's got a got 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 a decent team, but then. 
for the rest of the guys that get left behind, James, that are saying, okay, why are we even here then if our ownership and our our uh, our, our GM and everybody else said, well, that's it, let's get rid of these guys. What what uh, what do you think that would feel like if, for, for those players? I bet you it's not easy. Um, if you're maybe like, if you're tw- the other 20-year-old on ever, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's it for this season. I mean, they're still going to make the playoffs, but uh, yeah, they're missing their best weapons. If you're a 17, 18-year-old, and you see all those picks come back, one, those could be future teammates, too. That's just trade chip for next year, maybe, and you're going to like build up. So, like, for me, my winner of the deadline is Everett because of all the picks that they brought in and what they can do with it now. They could just draft these guys for the future. Their scouting staff is probably just jumping for joy at all the extra work they have to do now, or you could just trade those. And next year, there's going to be – Winnipeg's going to need to offload next year whether it's Zach Benson, Kate, or, uh, Connor Geeky, Matt Savoy, if they return those guys. Yeah, it's um, it sucks for this year, but it's kind of a thing where, like, okay, we got uh, we got some extra playing cards in the next couple of years. Guys, wanna, go ahead, Nathan. Sorry. I just wanted to add one more point with talking about Everett's scouting staff. Olin Zellweger was not a first-round selection in the WHL Prospects draft. He was taken in the second round by the Silvertips. If they can find talent like that in the second round, and they've and you give them four firsts, I mean, they're going to... In three to five years, if we're talking about why Everett is a wagon, it'll be from the Zellweger trade. Like you got to look at... Because there's six teams that have... That- think they have a shot at winning like you got out east you got winnipeg red deer saskatoon uh and then out west seattle canvas and portland you got six teams and that's a lot that think they have a shot at winning this thing and for for five of those franchises to make deals that they did red deer didn't really do a whole bunch for six of these teams to 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 go out and do what they are five of the six to go out and do it when you, there's no guarantees to win anything like Kamloops is hosting the Memorial Cup so they're in but you still want to win the whole thing and you don't want to go in the back door and you don't want to embarrass yourself in the Memorial Cup I get that but James for 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 five of these six teams to make these deals that's a gutsy move by, by these GMs and ownership groups well what happens if you're Seattle and you lose to Kamloops in the Western Conference Finals you're done Nothing, yeah. You don't get a trip to the Mem Cup like whoever the Blazers of the face in the finals. Like, it's, you went out, like, I'm not saying that'll happen. And if that did, if that uh, conference final happens, it'd be interesting to see how Kamloops, like, do you go all out in that series and, like, maybe, like, get a guy hurt and then go for the WHF finals? No one, I don't know. Like, there's semantics there that you never want to play to lose. So we'll put that aside. But it is kind of like, when I look at the, like, I've got Winnipeg, Seattle, Kamloops at their own level, and then it's Saskatoon and Red Deer. And they're just, I mean, look at the firepower of Winnipeg. They just put eight up on the Tigers last night, so maybe that's why they're a little in my head. But, um, yeah, no, it's these playoffs are going to be fun. I might have to pick up a subscription package just to watch the, like, the, the juggernauts face each other. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun to see uh, deep in the playoffs. Nathan? What's your thoughts on that, Nathan, with the uh, with the guys and the teams that think they're going for it? I mean, I this this could serve as recent memory bias, but we saw Seattle here at the at the Art Hauser Center on Friday night, and there, in my opinion, I've seen Winnipeg, Portland, and Seattle all play live in person this year. I think Seattle's in a class of their own, 
because the first game, the game on Friday night between the Thunderbirds and Raiders was the Western Hockey League debut of Brad Lambert. Watch out. I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah, Watch, yeah. watch out. He is going to be... He's going to be incredible, and he's 19, and he's never. That was his first ever game in the Western Hockey League because he's been in Finland. So, and he's he skates well. Like the Raiders have some guys that you would say, oh, they're they skate well. They're pretty quick, but Lambert's a great above those guys. Like you're talking about the like Evan Herman moves pretty well. Braden Doobie moves pretty well. Like Lambert is faster than even those guys that you would say would be the fastest skater on the Prince Albert Raiders. So watch out. He's got a great slap shot. As he showed, he had another breakaway opportunity in that game that uh, Hildebr- Max Hildebrand made a tremendous stop on. But he's going to be a point-per-game player, if not better, for the Thunderbirds the remainder of the season. Like You you wonder if, if winning the Western League, it, it's more important, like you talked, James about winning the not like winning your league is actually more important than than we give it credit for because like if you get if you get a backdoor invitation into the Memorial Cup it doesn't really mean a whole bunch so you think that maybe winning your league is a lot more important than a lot and it's uh, like winning Memorial Cup obviously yeah, that's something that would last forever and that's a memory you would always have but winning your league title title with the one shot you get maybe two like Kamloops used to win it every year back in the in the mid nineties there. Uh, like you wonder if we actually think that or we take for granted these teams that they want to win their league a lot more than the Memorial Cup. It definitely seems like that coming out. Like, there's no regret out of Edmonton. Yeah, they didn't win the Mem Cup. They weren't in the final or anything. But they won the WHL finals, and they're really happy with that. And I think that is a lesson everyone's starting to learn is, you know what? Why don't we just be happy with the league finals and the Mem Cup is just something else special? And I think I think that is a vibe that is starting to go around the league a bit, Brent, to where people are starting to maybe not like look past what is a uh, like champ like it's just winning the championship. Yeah, they don't look past it anymore. Yeah, it, it just seems like people think that Memorial Cup or bus is is the whole thing. The, Nathan, the one thing that that kind of blew my mind about this was how because you're these are your rivals that you see year in year out, and these coaches and GMs they stick around the Western League forever, and uh, like how willing they are. I mean, they're giving up assets, but it seems that these guys who quote unquote dislike each other on a nightly basis throughout the season, how um, helpful they are to each other. These GMs that say, okay, you scratch my back. I'll really scratch yours, but you're going to be screwed for a while. We all know that. Like, do, do these, uh, do these GMs, like you guys talk with these guys a lot more than I do. Uh, do, these, do those conversations ever come up, Nathan, where there, there is a bit of a, uh, uh, you, you do have some dance partners that you're willing to move with. I mean, I I feel like in the dub, especially, like the if you look at what they do in in the Ontario Hockey League and the and the QMJHL, you're more you're more likely to see one team just load up before like the Quebec I've, League used to be just awful for that, like just awful. The like the year the Prince Albert Raiders went to the Memorial Cup, Rio the Rio Naranda Huskies. They loaded up hardcore, and I believe they ended up winning the Memorial Cup that year because they, because all of the, all all of the other their guys in the in the there decided uh, we don't really have I don't a lot of GMs but we don't have the team to 
push them. So let's trade some of our better players to to them so they can make a run to win the Memorial Cup for the QMJHL. There seems to be a lot more mentality of that in both the Ontario Hockey League and the Western Hockey League. So I think winning the Western Hockey League is more meaningful than the than the Memorial Cup just because like if this was if this if we were like the QMJHL, we would probably send lots of GMs would be trading their best players to Kamloops so Kamloops can make a run at winning the Memorial Cup because they already know that they're in. But you're not really seeing that. Like, you're seeing, like, Seattle go get Brad Lambert and Nolan Allen and the rights to Dylan Gunther because they feel like this is their time. But, but and Kamloops, I think, kind of saw that and they're like, hold my beer yeah. and my draft picks. We're, we got a horse in this race too. So I feel like, yeah, they it's a lot more meaningful to win the dub because teams are a lot more competitive and it can be harder to make trades in the dub than in the Q, like the Q just because of the, they, they don't, the GMs kind of work for their organization, want their organization to succeed first rather than their league to succeed. If that makes sense. James, I just thought of this just as, as Nathan was talking there, that maybe that's the reason why Red Deer didn't make any deals because no one really likes Brent Sutter that much. Not that, not that I know anything, but I was just thinking that, like, enough of Sutter running this damn league for this many years where he gets his way all the time. So maybe that's why Redner didn't make any real big deals because everybody's sick of Sutter. Yeah, so I'm not going to comment on that to him. Sutter to get me whacked. Um, <laughs> Those Sutter boys, they, they lurk around the Western League rinks all the time. Every time you turn around in a Western League rink, there's a, there's a Sutter brother somewhere. It's just like Scott Stevens hanging on the blue line in the in the neutral zone. Yeah, and, and James and James is Paul and James is Paul Korea. Yeah, yeah, they try suicide pass, man. But um, <laughs> no, I think it is a lot of it is also making right by the players, right? And if like. The GMs go, all right, we're not going to make it this year. This isn't our year. Let's get this guy on a playoff team and stuff like that and put him in a place to succeed. And yeah, I think for me, and I know there's a, like, I know Willie here is a big uh, proponent of doing right by the player. And we've seen that in deals uh, before the season and around uh, last year, especially. Um, just making sure the players, if they're not going to get a spot here, putting them in a place where they can succeed and uh, doing right by them. Well, that's the thing that I noticed like now like 30 years since I played junior hockey and then just how things have changed a lot. And now the, the players and, and the uh, the parents have a lot more say in what goes on than, than it used to be. Uh, and players, there, there is uh, there is different options. There is the NCAA option. There is tier two. There is different things that go on. And so now uh, there's a lot more of a relationship that starts at a younger age when you get drafted uh, at 14, 15 years old, old whatever it is. And... Um, there has to be a trust put in place, and that's what happened with Bedard. I think a lot of that with Regina staying, him staying there, is that a lot of these coaches have a relationship with the parents a lot more than it used to be, where your name was just a piece on a piece of paper, you're on a list, and that was it. And so maybe that's the reason why some of these deals don't happen, some guys don't get moved, and uh, they they try to build something, and you have a you're part of a community now a lot more than it used to be. Yeah, for sure. I know. Um here without getting too much into it, Gavin McKenna, like was the thing with Gavin McKenna um, coming here at first overall pick of the Tigers was just, uh, you just got to work with guys and uh, getting to know them. And I know it's a good, uh, I mean, his dad's name is Willie head coach GM. Here's Willie. That helps a lot. I'll joke aside, but um, no, it is a lot of like, and that's with all the picks this year that I know of uh, for sure. It's just working with the family and showing that uh, 
the Medicine Hat Tigers or whatever WHL team it is, is the right place for that kid to uh, develop as a person and as a player and move to the next step. Let's uh, move on to uh, the, the, let's just get uh, this Western League talk done. Then we'll get on to your guys' respective teams a little bit and what you expect the rest of the season. Who do you guys see, uh, Nathan, we'll start with you. Who do you uh, see winning the uh, the West? Who do you see uh, winning the East? And who do you got winning the whole Mariana? So I kind of went over and above because I wrote what I think the seedings are going to be in each conference, one through eight, and then all the rounds. So I'll start with the West. The number one seed I have going to Seattle. Second, be with with winning the BC Division title being Kamloops. Third, the Portland Winterhawks. Fourth, the Prince George Cougars. Fifth, the Everett Silvertips. Sixth, Tri-City Americans. Seven, Vancouver Giants. And eight, Kelowna Rockets. I have the West, the Western Conference Final being the Seattle Thunderbirds over the Portland Winterhawks in a seven-game epic. <laughs> That's what I've what I think it's going to be. And then I have, I wrote my little, you can accuse me of slight bias with my Eastern Conference standings, but I have the Winnipeg Ice, the Red Deer Rebels, the Saskatoon Blades at the number three seed, Moose Jaw Warriors finishing fourth, the Lethbridge Hurricanes finishing in the number five position, Calgary, Calgary Hitman sixth, the Regina Pats seventh, and the Prince Albert Raiders sneaking in with the eighth seed. Why you have the Prince Albert <laughs> And then I have... And Prince Albert loses their first round to Winnipeg in three. They won't even play the fourth game. I mean, they took them to five last... They took them to five last year. They did take They did take them to five last year. Yeah. And I have the, the WHL final being the Seattle Thunderbirds over the Winnipeg Ice in six games. That would be an absolute shame if the Western Hockey League final was played in, a, in front of 1,600 people. It, it would be. Like, it's just not right. It's not right. Like, they, they they would have to find a way to play somewhere else. It's not right. I know with travel last year is that the way that they worked it, I think they did, like, the like the first two games in Seattle, and then they the, the last five were played in Ed were scheduled to be played in Edmonton, but they worked it out so that like the Thunderbirds would get last change for. There was a COVID situation or something, wasn't it? It was was graduation. It was graduation in Seattle Arena. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I was. uh, Yeah, it was screwy for the Seattle fans. It was tough that that's how it worked out. James, who do you got uh, in uh, the East and the West? What do you? How do you? How do you think it's going to all play out? Yeah, so I don't have. I didn't break it down by the whole conference story. <laughs> um, yeah, I think in the East, I think it's uh, I can do the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's going to be Winnipeg, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Saskatoon got their way in there. Just the way Brennan Sound coaches that team, they're a pretty motivated bunch. Um, Winnipeg's going to win it, I think, in let's say six, and then in the West, you get. I think it's going to be a Seattle Kamloops. I kind of think Kamloops might overcome Seattle and just make it to the uh, WHL Finals, and then. I don't know. Let's say Kamloops and Seven over Winnipeg. It goes the way, and uh, they carry a WHL championship into the Mem Cup. The Blazers. I, I like that Stanbrook kid. Uh, he's a heck of a player. Like he, he's a really, yeah. really good player. He really like you seen him a lot. The World Juniors, the whole bit. And like yeah. I know, I know it was the uh, oh, Stanko. Sorry, like I know it was the uh, it was the Bedard show. But that Stanko kid, he's a hell of a player. He's really, yeah. really good. And he, and he's yeah. and he's kind of a. Uh, 
your pro- prototypical old school Western leaguer. He's one of those guys that crash and bang, missing a tooth the whole bit, and he and he doesn't mind getting a little bit greasy, yeah. a little bit dirty. He's a, he's that kind of Western league guy that could take a series on his own because that's what that's what it takes. You you get into those those long series, and all of a sudden there's a lot going on uh, with these kids. Like I said, between their ear, between the ears, that, that's Stan Cohen's. He's the kind of guy I think that could. Uh, he's a prototypical Western leaguer, and I think that uh, Kamloops is that they and they made all the deals. Uh, James, we'll start with you. Your Mets Hat Tigers, they, they uh, are having a better season this year, 15-21, 5-1, uh, already improved on last season's 11-win uh, season. Uh, what's been the vibe around the Tigers this year in comparison to last year? And there's, there's still a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, they're, a young, they're a young team. They're not getting big crowds in, in, uh, in Medicine Hat yet, as, as you said earlier, uh, but they are getting better, hopefully. Uh, the beautiful rink they got there in Medicine Hat. What's been the vibe so far around the Tigers, and uh, how do you think they're going to finish the season off? Oh, looking back from last breath of fresh air from last year, like I remember talking in September, and there was a lot of like, well, this could ha- if this happens, this will be good, this and that. It is, there's excitement here, and they are, as of right now, five points out of a playoff spot. Swift Current has four games in hand, and they've lost three times this week. They're only games in hand if you win them. That's true. But right. look, the Tigers, like, they've got, I think they have three or four more games. Against, they have four more games against the Broncos this year, which is crazy. They didn't play the Broncos until after Christmas. It was a weird schedule, but that's my hard job to do. It is going to come down to how they face the Broncos the rest of the way and how they win maybe their winnable games. They face Edmonton a bunch still. Edmonton's still a good team. They got six wins this year. Kind of where Tigers were last year. You got to beat them. There's excitement here. And there is a belief within the room that uh, they can be a competitive team this year, get that eighth playoff spot, and maybe like get that playoff experience now, get McKenna in towards the end of the season and see what happens. But um, yeah, like I said, breath of fresh air from last year and just, uh, just excitement for what this second half will bring and who will show kind of what they can do and why they belong in the WHL and why they can be along uh, a piece of the future here for a long time. Nathan, same thing with you and the Raiders. Yeah, I think they're, they, they've been, even though it hasn't necessarily shown on the standing side of things, you look at some of the results of the games and Prince Albert, with the exception of one game at Saskatoon, with Saskatoon hasn't really been boat raced out of, out of any, any game this year. They've been, they've probably had four or five contests this year where they've been tied and give up the game winning goal with like two minutes left in regulation. So this team is competitive. They just need to have a couple more bounces their way. And I feel like they'll start, they can, they'll gain some confidence and they could start rattling off some wins against anybody in the league. I don't think that this Raiders group is intimidated by anybody. You look at, how they played against Portland and Seattle. Both were one-goal games, and even at the end of that Seattle game, they were pushing hard, and if you give them an extra two minutes, I bet I bet you that's, that game's going into overtime. Like, they're, they're a young group. They're a really young group, but I feel like they're... so the, And they're just... need to gain some confidence in the WHL, and I feel like you could see some special things. That's the biggest thing with both teams, like you guys just mentioned, like the the, the youth of it all and everything else, and, and having the confidence of your, of the coaching staffs and in, in both that they're okay. This is what we're boys. This is what we got. This is what we're running with. 
we're not changing anything. You guys are here. We're not bringing in a 20 year old. We're not bringing in a 19 year old. Like, like both teams are, are loaded with rookies right now. Um, young goaltenders, which is, is always tough in, in this league. There's no getting around that. You want to, in an ideal world, you'd always have a 19 year old goaltender, uh, stopping pucks for you, but it's not, it's just not the way it works out. Um, how's the goaltending been, James, for the Tigers this year? And, uh, what's the, uh, the thought process moving forward? Well, they, they do have a 19-year-old, actually, in Beckett Lankow, and he's been kind of like the um, – he's been a setting force in that, obviously, 19-year-old. Backed up uh, Garen Bjorklund too, for two years. Garen obviously went pro this year uh, in the ECHL with the South Carolina Stingrays. But, uh, yeah, Beckett's been solid. He's been what they needed every night. He's gave them a chance to win. And behind him, Tigers acquired Evan May uh, right after the U.S. road trip from Everett. 18-year-old from the Nanaimo, BC, great kid. Everyone in Medicine Hat loves Evan May. His first two performances, he was putting up like 40, 30 save uh, performances, but would just lose in the last five minutes. It was tough. And, like, everyone was loving him. Uh, a lot of uh, May Day, or it's still going to be May. He loves the jokes, by the way, of those. Um, he just got his first win in the WHL a couple games ago. He's got two now. He just won Friday night as well. So it's um, there's excitement in the, in the crease, and like there's confidence in both guys, and that helps a lot uh, for the guys in front of them, right? You got guys, behind, yeah, you, they know that they have guys in net who can give them a chance to win every night, and it's kind of up to the forwards and defense on that, how that happens. Nathan, you got young Hildebrand there. How's he been? Well, I was just going to talk about Max Hildebrand because if you looked at this team on paper at the start of the year, you would think. Chaika's the number one, and Hildebrand will be a, a solid backup for him. But as of recently, both Chaika and Hildebrand have played fantastic when when the time calls. So it's it's been difficult as of recently for uh, Jeff Truitt to decide who's, who he's going to pencil in as a starting goaltender some nights. And That's a good problem to have. And it's been also great because I'm not sure how many people know this, but... Uh, Max Hildebrand is from Martinsville, Saskatchewan, just north of Saskatoon. His dad, I believe his dad, Steve, is the assistant general manager of the Blades. Steve used to be the trainer for the Blades for a long, long time. I've known Steve for a long time, and I know his family from uh, from this area. Uh, yeah, Stevie, he was uh, he he was actually a trainer for one of the Team Canada World Junior teams years ago. Yeah, and then he kind of just worked his way through and stuck around the system for a long time. And now, yeah, you go you go from trainer to uh, to GM. No, Steve's a really good guy. He gave us a tour of the dressing room uh, Memorial Cup back when it was. It was in Saskatoon, me and my nephew there, the guy who puts all the sound together for our show. Steve's a really good guy. Let's get him on the show, actually, I'll be mentioning it. Um, where do you see this? your, your guys' teams? Like, I, I know there's only, they're, they're, like, the Tigers and the and the uh, Raiders are going to be battling for that last playoff spot. James, give me the reason why you think your Tigers are going to get in, and then I want Nathan to give your reason why you think that the uh, the Raiders are going to get in, because I, I was going to come down to that one, uh, one team for, for, for that spot. Yeah, it's good uh, for the Tigers. It's going to be a uh, high-flowing offense. And, guys, uh, there's a 16-year-old stepping up. Caden Lindstrom has already garnered NHL interest. He's got a heck of a shot for a 16-year-old. He's 6'3", I believe. And it's going to be him and it's going to be Tomas Mercik just uh, rocking and putting it together. And um, just the young core forwards putting it all together. The defense is steady as it is. And, yeah, it's going to come down to what the forwards can do and how far they can push this team. And, uh Bear down in the last five minutes with a lead. It's been trouble this year, but for the Tigers carrying leads and 
sustaining them. And like last night against Winnipeg, they jump ahead two nothing early, give up eight straight. It is Winnipeg, so I'll give the Winnipeg a benefit. But uh, it is just holding on to leads. If the Tigers can hold on to a lead, they'll be facing Winnipeg in the first round. Blowing a two nothing lead's not that bad. I remember when I played uh, James the years a long time ago. We blew a five nothing lead, man, and I was in net for all six again. So it wasn't a very good feeling. <laughs> it was pretty bad actually, but it, it happens sometimes. Nathan, what's going to put your PA Raiders uh, in that playoff spot? I believe this Raider blue line is just getting started. I believe that group of talent they have on that back end is incredible. I'll start. I'll start by talking about. 17-year-old rookie Justice Justice Christensen, who was listed by the organization, he like not drafted in the Western Hockey League, and he's been even though you look at on a score sheet, he doesn't doesn't look the best in terms of goals, assists, points. He does everything you want a defenseman to do. He's a right shot defenseman, never looks panicked in the offensive zone. That was a tremendous pickup by a listed player by Curtis Hunt in the Raider front front office. Terrell Goldsmith has been really solid back there he's 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 that kind of big physical presence every team needs on the blue line because he's 17 years old but he could walk into any bar and i don't think they'd ask him for id because he's he's doesn't look like he's 17 and then recently they played portland and seattle at home here and they've been without Landon kosher who's their overager on the back end so everyone else has had to step up to fill up the time with Landon not being available due to an upper body injury and they've looked great even against those <laughs> the fabled upper body injury the, I, those are called hangovers when you're my age yeah i i can't <laughs> i can't say what it is because i don't want to no i, I say, doesn't yeah say but like he's been out of action since before the trade deadline and they've they've faced some tough opponents and the easton kovacs the seth tansoms the terrell goldsmith eric johnston has been fantastic back there this season. He was a return piece in that deal for Caden Gooley with the Edmonton Oil Kings. He's arguably been their best all-around defense, their best defensive defenseman this year, in my opinion. So, and when Prince Albert doesn't have that high-flying offense that, say, the Winnipegs have, or even the Moose Jaws have with the Braden Jaegers, right? So, I think the key for this Raider team is going to have to be lower the amount of goals against and try to win that three, two hockey game kind of thing. And I feel like with this blue line that they have right now, they'll be able to do that. There's an old saying, you show me a good goal and I'll show you a good coach and a good team. So it usually comes down to goaltending in, in this situation, especially in the, in the Western league guys, let's put the, uh, the, the hockey pucks away. and We'll bring out the baseball bats and the balls. I know that's uh, your guys is uh, you, you talk about that a lot, but uh Yesterday or day before, Bo Bichette of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, he uh, declined the, the amount of money he was given. Uh, what do you think the Jays should do with old Bo and his hair? Uh, James, we'll start with you. What a great topic to bring up, friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> man, I don't know. I don't have a big problem with it. I mean, it's arbitration. Um, you obviously don't want to have a bad relationship with a player, and this is two years in a row. The, the Blue Jays, I was a Tigers, Jesus, Blue Jays and Bobachet haven't been able to come to an agreement right away. So hopefully they can get it figured out sooner than later. Um, yeah, I'm at the point where they need to uh, send out three extensions. Extend Matt Chapman, extend Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and extend Bobachet, and just go on from there. And 
have what could be the future, especially in Vlad and Bo's case, uh, locked up and a steady veteran presence in Matt Chapman uh, locked up for at least a couple more years. Tom's a good player. I like him a lot. Nathan, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I I feel for Bo. He's trying to get what he feels like he's he's worth, and I I don't blame him for going for arbitration with the Blue Jays organization. But we've seen we saw a very prominent example where it looked like the relationship between an organization and a player was icy to put best. Cough cough. Aaron Judge, New York Yankees, and they still ended up signing an extension with the organization. So I feel like this isn't any reason to panic for Blue Jays fans. Uh, see, I'm a, uh, am I panicked? No, no. Were you panicked, like in the off season? One hundred percent. I thought he was gone. I thought Judge. I thought Judge was gone. Uh, not, not so much on the day where all that arson Judge thing went through with San Francisco. I thought for a while there, the, the weeks leading up, I thought he was gone. I did say at one point that the that Judge needs the Yankees as much as the Yankees need Judge. But uh, money talks, and but but that that extra dough. But I no, I thought he was gone. I, I really I really did. But like yes, the Yankees can offer the most, and they can offer the, the best marketing and everything else. But I thought for sure. And then looking back now, why he wouldn't have taken that deal with San Diego was kind of a mystery because that's a hell of a place to play and uh, closer to home and, and the like. I thought that he was going to end up in San Diego the way that that was all turning out on on that last day. And I I was quite uh, Jesus, yeah. Do you think it came down to if he went to San Diego, like I don't know his ego, obviously he wouldn't have been the guy. Do you, like, do you think that point, like it would have been him, Juan Soto, Fernando Machado, Machado, a whole bunch of different different pieces, and, and you're not the uh, you don't have your own section out in right field, the the judges' chambers, the whole bit. So yeah, it's it, it might have come down to that because like when you're getting you're getting thirty five million or forty million, like really, what the fuck's the difference? Like really, when it comes down to it, like it's. Taxes, okay, whatever. But it, yeah, yeah, I thought he was gone for sure. Like I, I thought. Do you like tacos or do you like dollar slices of pizza? That's what it comes down to. Yeah, right? yeah. But but let's take a moment to talk about the real winner of the Major League Baseball offseason: the San Francisco Giants signing Arson Judge and Carlos Correa. Yeah, that's a Korea deal. That that turned out to be a bit of a wreck. Hey, just a, a, how that all came about with uh, Korea being in San Francisco. Then he was gone, and then the, and then the Mets deal. I thought the Mets deal was a done deal. The way it all like it was it was publicized so quickly afterwards. Actually, Dave and I talked about it last week on, on the the fourteen twenty podcast. Is that like it was a done deal, and then and then his his, his bum ankle is, is good for. Six years, but not ten years, and the, he ended up losing one hundred and fifteen million dollars in this in the off season when it all it, it all comes around. Like it's crazy, it's absolutely crazy. An athletic story on it, and it was that uh, the same doctor that said no in San Fran was asked about it in New York, and Carlos was like, "Well, what's the, why are you even asking about that? And you know what the answer is going to be." And it just came down to that uh, this thing that had never caused him pain since he got the surgery all of a sudden was an issue. Um, I do like that the dialogue, dialogue now is I always wanted to be a Minnesota twin. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because you only signed the one and one deal to begin with. You signed a one yeah. with a player option. You wanted to get yeah. over there as soon as you could. But you know what? Minnesota's a good team for him. He gets to be, again, it's the same thing we talked about with Aaron Judge. He gets to be the guy. We know where he's going to be for the next so many years. He's going to be a shortstop for the Minnesota Twins, batting third in the batting order. That's where he is. And the most important reason to play in Minnesota when it's four degrees Celsius for a seven PM game in April. Oh, great ballpark! Fantastic great, ballpark! Great ball. I, yeah, great oh, ballpark. it's fantastic. I, I great, love that. great ballpark. Why it doesn't have a roof? 
I will never know the answer to. I think that that should be like I'm a baseball purist through and through, but I think that for every stadium that gets built from here on in has to have a retractable. There's a technology out there. There, there has to be because it's crazy how how that temperature, especially we get into not so much into October because it, it is usually tolerable but those early season games where you you can't win the world series in april but you can sure lose it and uh those temperature man it just it's crazy to me that, that's not that's not a thing and and uh target field's not that old like may, maybe seven eight years old like, was it i thought it was like 2011 or 2012 it opened actually the, the years all when you get to my age nathan the years just fly by man i don't even know what year it is right now i gotta look at the computer what, what year it is all the time anyways get back to bichette um i'm a little bit different than how you guys are we lost with you we'll lose without you see ya that's how i feel about, about bo bichette like you need a short stop though yeah go get carlos correa and his, and his ankle apparently they were in on xander bogarts so that was a little like the blue jays were so that would have been Interesting, like, because they got second basements. They got three second basements, a shortstop, and Max Albin at third. So where was Xander going to play? Would have been interesting to see if that played out. Yeah, it's crazy. No, it's all crazy. It's uh, the, the sports world. Uh, now now spring training's not that far away. WCBL season. We haven't stopped around here with the freaking baseball. My God, we were watching pitches yesterday, the whole thing. The little, uh, it's going to be a little different WCBL season this year. I know, Nathan, you're, you're up in, in PA, and uh, you don't have the – WCBL up there, and uh, hopefully they can get something in Saskatoon. They've been talking. There've been talks about them going back there. Uh, the WCBL season is going to be a little bit different this year with Edmonton saying uh, we're. Uh, and I kind of felt this even last season. Some talks with the guys with Edmonton uh, saying we're. we're uh, what's the thoughts around uh, WCBL season? Uh, and and Greg Morrison, Mavericks here, James. What's what's uh, what's the thoughts around them? Um, actually, great time, Brett. I wrote a story for yesterday Saturday's paper on the new head coach. Mark Goodman, what a name. Um, yeah, there's excitement this year with the Mavericks. Obviously, last year, it was coming back from nothing because of the COVID years. Now they have a base. They've already announced, I think, three returning players, um, which is good. You get that foundation right, and now you can build off that and bring in new guys. And I know Greg's beyond excited. The city is beyond excited again to get back at Athletic Park and just, uh, I don't know, like not the, I don't want to say the Vlad quote of last year was a trailer, this year is the movie. But it was kind of like, okay, last year was exciting. Now let's build off that. Let's see how good this year can be. And it is just, it's just another brand of excitement uh, having it back last year. Yeah. People can't wait for WCBL action again. I'll have to uh, do some research on Mark Goodman, my new best friend, I'm sure, during the, during the season when I'm calling balls and strikes. He said he doesn't get kicked out of games. He's only been kicked out a handful of times. He won't fight, or he doesn't want to cheat. Well, obviously, he won't fight. He doesn't want to yell at umpires. And he is okay and more than willing to like take part in mid inning, um, like fan stuff. Oh, not mid inning, cool. but in between innings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the slingshot, um, the slingshot thing you guys have there in the whole yeah. bit. Yeah. So I can see him doing some stuff like that. And I think that'd be cool. And, but, um, you won't see a lot of walks with his staff. He doesn't, his team last year was second in the United States for walks given up, like second least. Oh, I can change that in a hurry, James. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> clip that. Somebody clip that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. You'll shrink you'll shrink the zone and then he'll ask you about your tea time on Sunday and that's enough out of you. Yeah, we're we're yeah. done. See you later. 
I've had enough of that. Nathan, what's the uh, baseball vibe like? I know you were you were, you moved up there last year. We'll get we'll, we'll get get out of the show in a second here. What's the vibe like uh, for the baseball thing? Yeah, I know you moved up there in September of last year or late August, I guess it was. Uh, so you didn't uh, have the baseball. What in Northern Saskatchewan? Uh, what's the baseball vibe like up there, man? Like I, they, I know Saskatoon has a pretty good baseball community, but what's it like in PA? I mean. Obviously, the one thing that they lack here that they don't have in Lethbridge is like a dedicated indoor facility that they can use for to train during during the winter when there's snow on the ground here in Prince Albert, which is a lot. Um, they don't they don't have a dedicated facility because like if they try to book the field house, they have minor soccer that's in there. They have volley volleyball that's in those indoor facilities and that kind of thing, right? Like they can't find time anywhere to to get these these athletes out i know that they're doing what they're calling the grand slam rebuild project is that they converted um some baseball some baseball fields to soft for use for softball and what, what they're doing right now is that they're they're basically rebuilding some old fields to be up to standard to host some provincial type events and to have a dedicated home field for the 15 U age division here in Prince Albert. So there's obviously not a Prairie baseball Academy that you're in the direct vicinity of and all the great things that uh, a program like that can do for youth baseball in the community. There's nothing like that there, like that, like that here, but uh, there's, they're starting to build. They're starting the steps of building something, and I know the president of minor baseball here, Dwayne Cripp, wants to do a lot more and to, to have a lot more guys from Prince Albert end up playing baseball at the at the next at the college level eventually. So it's it's tough though. Like the money's tough, and you get everybody gets everything spread so thin, and it you get a lot of people asking for a handout for this, handout for that, and it, it eventually there's just uh, there's not enough wallet for all the hands that are getting out though. So it is tough building all these different things, and you got to get some pretty big big corporate sponsors for WCBL, for the Hurricanes, for the Tigers, for the Raiders, and the, and the whole bit. There's only X amount of dollars that can go around. Anyways, boys, we'll end the show now. Uh, Nathan, go, you go ahead first. Tell everybody uh, where you work, where your Twitter handle is, and all that stuff. So I am the sports reporter for the Prince Albert Daily Herald. All the stories can be found at paherald.sk.ca. And my Twitter handle is just at NathanWriter14. There we go. James? I'm the sports reporter for Medicine Hat News. Stories can be found at medicinehatnews.com slash sports. I can be found at Twitter at reportertub 2 bs And, uh, yeah. Don't you have a, a, a your photography one, too? Oh, that's on Instagram. Yeah, we don't need to plug that. Don't worry about that. Okay. No, I, I look at that. Jeez, I look at all, all the stuff you guys do. So, no, boys, thank you for uh, for joining me on the show. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we Western Hockey League talk on the Fiddling Tender Hockey Podcast. We'll probably get you guys on uh, maybe together or separately once the baseball season, uh, maybe before spring training comes to an end and the regular season starts. We'll we'll talk some baseball and we'll, we'll get things going and, and moving that in the right direction. I can't wait because uh, as soon as the, the uh, spring training starts, you know you're not that far away from, from the summer months, uh, not too far away because, man, winter sucks <laughs> I don't mind it I like the cold there you go Nathan thanks very much for joining us on the show James yeah. thank you very much we'll see you guys around the rink and uh, Tigers Raiders who knows it might be a, a one game winner take all thing, thing to get into that last playoff spot wouldn't mind it well, we got the we got the season series advantage though so I don't know if that's a tiebreaker or not oh true I was trying some anyways have a good day folks we'll talk to you guys again uh, next week <laughs>